What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Future Proof with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Yes, this is Future Brief on News Talk. I'm Jonathan McRae. Now, you might have heard us on uh, the program a couple of weeks ago talking about scientists in the United States who have created non-invasive AI technology called semantic decoders to uh, essentially read human minds. Here to explore how their team did this is Alexander Huth. He's an assistant professor of neuroscience and computer science at the University of Texas in Austin. Uh, Great to have you in the program, Alex. Thanks so much. I got to say... When I was when I was reading about this, I know we had been taking small steps in this direction, but what an incredible study and what an incredible development. So uh, maybe start from the beginning and explain um, what it is you were trying to do with this research and, and what had been done before. Sure. Yeah. So the basic thing that we try to do in my research program is we try to understand how the human brain processes language. Like when you know, what's happening right now is I have an idea inside my head. I'm turning it into words, turning it into sounds. Uh, You're taking those sounds and turning them back into ideas in your head somehow. And we want to understand how that process works, right? So we use these large machine learning models to do this. We try to uh, map out how the brain responds to different types of ideas, different types of words. And one way for us to sort of apply these models is to use them to actually read out maybe the words that you're hearing from your brain activity. So the way that we uh, actually do this is we put people inside an MRI scanner. Uh, We acquire data, this functional MRI data that actually measures blood flow in many different locations in their brain. It says how active different brain areas are. And then we use our machine learning models to uh, infer from that data, what are the words that somebody is hearing Or even if somebody is imagining telling a story inside their heads, we can read out, you know, with limited accuracy, but we can read out something like that. Now, uh, things like this have been done before, certainly, but uh, the only things that are really comparable in terms of accuracy and sort of abilities are uh, technologies that have used implanted electrodes. So this is um, needing neurosurgery to put electrodes inside someone's brain to record what neurons are doing uh, so that you can read out maybe words that they're trying to say, which uh, is a technology that um, several groups have developed for uh, really helping people who are unable to speak normally, people who have, for example, strokes that make them unable to speak. So uh, our work was the first to, I think, really demonstrate that kind of capability, but with uh, what we call a non-invasive technology like MRI, which doesn't require surgery of any kind. Okay, so this is so exciting. Let's um, start with a few basics. When I think of a word, an area of my brain um, flashes with blood as neurons are firing, and this sort of pattern is unique to me in a way when I think of cloud there's lots of things that i associate with the word cloud and so so the flash that happens in my brain is sort of unique to me is that correct that's right Uh, to some extent these things are shared across people so in broad strokes we all have things in kind of the same parts of the brain uh right but it's the the particulars the 
you know, millimeter precise exactly which parts of the brain are active, those seem to be kind of unique to us. And we don't know to what degree that is, you know, because you have different associations for that word than I do, uh, or whether it's just we don't know how to say, you know, here's a little piece of my brain, which piece of your brain does that correspond to exactly? Like that, we, we don't have good technology for, for kind of finding that yet. Well, what, what do we not have the same sites? I mean, uh, do, do our brains not compare exactly in terms of are parts of our brain um, that you you can't map that like that? You're, what you're saying is there's different geological positions in our brain that do that might do the same thing. They might be in different neighborhoods. Yeah, not necessarily in like different neighborhoods, but uh, you know, it's like say you take two cities. Say we take like uh, I don't know New York City and Dublin. Both of these cities have a lot of the same things, right? They both have. Uh, Ports. They both have uh, uh, transport hubs. Testing your geography of Dublin now. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, they both have <laughs> no, this highways, this uh, pubs, etc. Right? To map like from one city to the other, to say like this part of the city corresponds exactly to this part of the other city, uh, you can't necessarily do that by just you know taking the place that's you know two miles north of the center of downtown and mapping that to another right, person's okay. brain. It's like the same parts are there, but they might just be arranged slightly differently because it's grown organically a little bit differently. Of course, and our brain is um, a, a, an organization of connections that are strengthened over time as we learn. And right. some people have stronger connections and so on that will presumably affect the physiology in some way. Okay, that makes sense to me. So we, well, I have a, so I have this flash card in my head of, of when I think of the word cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to read your brain and and you thought cloud, it, it could look different or it could be in a slightly different place. And that means that this this technique has to be trained on an individual to understand what they're thinking. Is that right? That's right. That's what we found with this work. Even though things are similar in broad strokes, everybody has kind of the same parts, uh, these particulars, the things that actually enable us to read out this information from the brain, uh, they seem to be idiosyncratic. So we need a lot of training data from one person's brain in order to make this happen. In in a study, we went to extreme lengths, actually. We had people uh, inside the MRI scanner for uh, up to 16 sessions. So they go back again and again and again over the course of months uh, and just listen to podcasts, actually. That was the main experiment that we did, uh, which is actually pretty fun. I was one of the subjects in this experiment, and it's pretty enjoyable compared to a lot of experiments that one could be a subject for. But we use this data of people listening to podcasts to then map out all these parts of their brain, right? The the word clouds will appear in many times in the podcast, maybe associated things like people talking about what the sky looks like at sunset, things that are kind of similar semantically in meaning to the word cloud will appear across these podcasts. And our models will take all that information and aggregate it to find like what are the exact parts of the brain that kind of care about this type of idea. So that's really interesting to me because the AI is clearly seeing patterns that we can't make sense of, but it can say, oh, this is similar to the same concept of a cloud. It's actually sky, but it's similar sort of area and and the pattern or the timing or the shape of it looks kind of similar. What does that tell us about how we form um, words and ideas in our brain. Do do we, I mean, do we have specific flashes exactly for specific nouns or, you know, or is our concepts what it's found um, easier to map? Like, what is the AI looking at? Yeah, uh, that's, that's a great question. This gets to a lot of my research. I love to answer this kind of question. So fMRI, uh, let me give you a brief digression first. fMRI, this technology that we're using, functional magnetic resonance imaging, it's measuring blood flow. 
it's very coarse in a lot of ways. We're not seeing what individual neurons are doing in the brain. We're seeing this kind of coarse blood flow signal. It's not a photograph, right? It's a, it's a, it's like a video of someone thinking. And if you imagine every time they have a thought, you see sort of like flashes of different colors. That's kind of, I mean, not just a thought, but other cognitive processes, but that's kind of, just for people yes. to understand. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, it's actually worse with fMRI. The vast majority of the signal that we measure is just noise. So it's like you breathe and the signals change a little bit. You, uh, you know, wiggle your butt in the scanner and the signals change a little bit because your whole head moves. Uh, you scratch your nose, the signals change everywhere. There's like a, a ton of stuff that's kind of nasty that we have to pull out of the signal. But yeah, so it's a bit coarse, so we can't really see individual words, or it's hard to see individual words like clouds. What we can see, what we do seem to get at very effectively, and really what I think the brain cares about most deeply in, in kind of an obvious way, is the meaning. It's like, what, what is this about? What is this language about? Because that's what we care about. Right? It's like when somebody's talking to you, you, of course, we hear the individual words. We know exactly what words somebody is saying. But what we care about deeply is like, what do they mean? What are we taking away from this thing? And that's the kind of level of representation of what's happening in the brain that we're getting at with these types of models. When someone was thinking about something like, I went to the shops, I bought some biscuits, I went back home and I watched TV. What did you see the AI interpreting out of that just from from not hearing those words, but just scanning the brain and trying to decode what it was seeing in blood flow. Right. So this is one of the really interesting things about this semantic decoder is that we don't get the exact words out. We, we found it very difficult, if not impossible, to get the exact words that somebody is hearing out. What we get is something that kind of says the same thing, that means the same thing, but using different words or paraphrasing. Right. So uh, uh, one of the examples that we often use is... Um, uh, a segment of one of the stories our subjects heard was, uh, I didn't even have my driver's license yet. And what we decoded from that was, uh, she hadn't even learned to drive yet, which only shares one word in common, right? The word yet is the same in, in both of those sentences. But uh, clearly the the meaning, like what that means is is very similar, if not identical. Uh, it does miss yeah. also like the pronoun. So I versus she, this is something that the model seems to be kind of terrible at is figuring out uh, what pronouns. Which is use. great in 2023 in a way. So, so it gets those sort of meanings. Now, when you are publishing research like this, and particularly when press um, gets involved, the best stuff comes out. That is an amazing interpretation to, to have someone hear that or think those words and then be able to read that from blood flow in the brain. That is crazy. How often was it that accurate? Yeah, it's, it's still quite rough overall. So uh, we have these gems where it does really, really well. Uh, I think about 60 to 80% of the time, it's like better than random. It's better than chance level that we can define computationally. Do when you say chance level, do you mean like just any word in the world? Right, like like gibberish, right? Uh, so okay, it's, okay. it's better than gibberish uh, most of the time. Uh, <laughs> it's very accurate, like a smaller fraction of the time. This is, of course, I mean, we very much uh, agree that this is not perfect. This is very much like a first step along this road. Uh, we really think that this is going to get better as we get better data and especially better models in coming years. Um, but this was a still a really kind of exciting first step in what we can do with this kind of technology. Yeah, and I suppose while um, it may be, be sort of rough around the edges, the times when it is crystal clear or close to crystal clear, for example, that, that example you had, that's not, you can't, you can't just figure that out by chance. It clearly is at some points really, 
reading this information from from the brain. And that, I suppose, gives you great uh, hope that this is something that you can improve upon. Do you think that there are certain types of language, emotionally loaded um, sentences, or uh, other things that are going to be more easily read by an AI? I mean, for example, if I started talking about, you know, taxation policies mm-hmm. and things that aren't very visual, for example, or or are, are quite abstract um, and, and you know, are thrown around without people fully really knowing exactly what people mean. Do you think AI will ever be able to, to pull that sort of stuff out or... or so I think eventually, yes. But right now, uh, that's exactly the kind of thing that our model has a lot of trouble with. So emotional kind of valence doesn't really seem to matter that much. We can get emotional things and non-emotional things. But uh, right. one of the key things that we found was concrete versus abstract. So it's much better at getting concrete language than abstract language. So talking about taxation policy, et cetera, it's going to have a much harder time reading that out than uh, talking about, you know, I walk down the streets and then I turn to the right and saw my friend Harry. Visual language is easier, um, you're saying. Visual or just describing things, things in the world, like real things. So uh, descriptive or specific? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's really interesting. Wow. There's there's, there's definite sci-fi potential uh, Mm -hmm. in this, Um, but really, really exciting stuff. Mental privacy is my term for 2023. Mm -hmm. That's certainly (laughs) a term I'd not heard of before. Uh, Really, really fascinating work. Um, Congratulations with the research. Uh, Alexander Huth, uh, Assistant Professor of Neuroscience and Computer Science at the University of Texas in Austin. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Love to hear your thoughts on it. You can email us science at newstalk.com. That's it from us on this week's uh, Future Proof. Hope you enjoyed the program. Thank you to uh, Marais O'Sullivan, who was our producer, Simon Keane, Steve Daunt, and Hugo De Silva on sound. Future Proof with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland. Sunday morning at 10 on News Talk.